Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Rasul Zaninfar and Arash Karat of Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. He is a frequent traveler and a passionate advocate for the Houston food scene. Matt Harris, welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing well, sir. Happy Monday. (laughs) Yes. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. Happy Thursday to the audience, because that's when they're going to be listening to this podcast. Did I? No. No. Okay. I I think people who listen to the show now... They, they know that it's not recorded on the day it's released. That would be very difficult. True story. All right. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Dish Society is growing again. Aaron Lyons and co. have signed on to open a sixth location in Southside Commons, a new mixed-use development coming to the former Palace Lanes property on Bel Air Boulevard just inside the loop. Matt, let me uh, let me start with sort of the obvious question: Are you a Dish Society fan? I am. I'm. I I am a Aaron Lyons fan, or an Aaron Lyons fan, I believe. Yeah, it's not Monday. Just, not just because you both, and not just because you both attended the University of Texas. Hook them. No, no, not no. Uh, Aaron is is a solid dude, uh, and and a fan of Dish as well. Yeah, I I think what they've done that sort of casual neighborhood they've they've captured that whole vibe well. You know, I'm always curious about these all-day cafes like Dish Society that serve breakfast, lunch and dinner because it's really hard to earn a breakfast audience. People are really they're very loyal about their breakfast spots. So to get them to patronize your establishment requires a certain amount of patience. Because then once you, but once you earn their loyalty, they're yours, you know, for a long time. Uh, and, and I do think that it, it's going to suit that Bel Air, West Youth, Southside right. Place neighborhood really well. Agreed. Uh, and, and I believe it will be the closest location to me as well. So selfishly, I'm a little... A little excited. Yeah, there's that location in the Heights uh, on 11th Street and Yale. And, of course, there's one in Finn Hall, but that's not really the same experience. And then you have to hassle with downtown parking. Right. Yep. Uh, and also, the Southside Commons development is kind of interesting because it's still going to have – they're, they're going to put a new bowling alley in it, which I think is kind of – I don't know. I don't know if that's appropriate or ironic or maybe a little of both. Uh, I'll, I'll take uh, a little bit of both for 200, Alex. <laughs> or what is a little bit of both for 200? Yeah, you got to phrase that in the form yes. of a question. But uh, but no, I mean, kind of where do you see Dish Society in the market? No, I, I, I think they're a, a serious, serious player. Um, I, I have had nothing but good experiences literally nothing but good experiences there we've even done some delivery um i like the menu i like the concept i like greenway coffee i like aaron it's it's uh it's a lot of likes there yeah 75 percent of their 
ingredients are sourced from Texas. That's pretty admirable. More to like. Yeah. All right. Topic number two. Good Company Seafoods Memorial location has a new home right next to the old Good Company Seafood location in Memorial. Uh, I don't know that there's a whole lot to say about this other than that maybe it was just time that, that you know, and that the new space gives them, you know, an expanded oyster bar, a better bar area. They worked with Gin Design Group, who worked with, who also worked with them on Kitchen and Cantina, their Tex-Mex restaurant. Uh, I haven't actually seen this. Uh, I have, I've not had a chance to patronize the new Good Company Seafood yet, but um, it is an interesting time in Memorial. Um, a lot of changes going on in that whole area, I think, as, as restaurateurs sort of realize something that Levi Good has known for a long time, which is that there's opportunity in that area. Right, right. That's, that's going back to my roots, Daddy. That, that's my hood. I ran those streets when I was a wee lad. I think of you as a Kingwood guy. That 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 came later. That came later. the The formative years were uh, spent in Spring Branch. All right. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, there's a lot sort of coming to Spring Branch. There's a lot that's opened in Spring Branch. Um, and this obviously being on the south side of the freeway, technically still Memorial, uh, but not Missouri City. Not Missouri City. Okay. Critically. But yeah, I mean, we are going to see, we're going to see a Torchies out there. We're going to see a second location of Kirby Ice House out there. Mazraps is relocating there next year. You know, it's all kind of swirling. And, and I like, I mean, where are you on Good Company Seafood? Because I, I do feel like there's just not that many places anymore that do that kind of classic Gulf Coast casual seafood thing. No, no. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think that probably is more right than wrong. Um, I, I'm a fan. Um, it's, uh, uh, used to be a staple, um, for, for many years. And as the, the scene has sort of grown, um, there's just a lot more options now, but yeah, but I, I mean, grilled snapper, fried shrimp, that campechana, Key lime pie is surprisingly strong. Uh, you know, all of those kind of staple dishes. And, and again, I think that neighborhood still a little bit underserved, even with kind of what's happened around Memorial City Mall. Uh, you know, I think it's it's a good it's a good move by good company to sort of upgrade what they've got out there. And and really, I mean, they've got, you know, they open kitchen and cantina. Um, good company barbecue has been a staple in that neighborhood for a really long time. I think it all just kind of makes sense. No, I, I I think so. I think they'll do well, and you know, I think that the the food stands up. And as you said, that uh, that area is there. There's a significant residential population in there. Yeah, an interesting choice for diners, right? Because you got Papa Do right down the street. But I feel like this is maybe one of those like rising tide situations where it's like just like Ninfas and El Tiempo are right next to each other on navigation. I feel like. There can be peaceful coexistence. I believe so. Let's hope. Let's hope. We don't want to see seafood fights filling, spilling onto the streets. <laughs> yeah, that, that, would be, that wouldn't be good for anybody. All right. Topic number three. Speaking of Memorial, you can add Texadelphia 
to the list of restaurants that are coming to the area. It's been a couple of years since Texadelphia came back into the market after the after leaving Houston. Uh, they opened on Westheimer. They opened in Montrose. And then they opened up in Vintage Park and down in Galveston. And so they have announced plans to open in Memorial next to Mazraf's at, at, at another mixed-use complex that's coming to the site of the former Toys R Us on I-10 near Bunker Hill. And then another location out in Katy. I don't know. Let me just ask you, where are you on, where are you on Texadelphia? It's with a heavy heart that I confess I'm out. You're out. I'm out. You know, I went, I went back to Texas when it, when it came back to Montrose or when it came to Montrose, I should say, you know, I went back and had a, a founder's favorite and you know, those like thin tortilla chips and, and I, it, it's not a craving I experience very often. But I think it does a pretty good job of set, of trying to be what it's trying to be what it's supposed to be. Yeah, and I'm not sure um, if it was just it. it it's uh, I'm not necessarily I'm not I'm not saying that it's not good. Uh, it does not match up with my memory of what it was, and so that sort of disconnect there. I, I haven't been able to to navigate uh and with papaginos right there on westheimer that's they they do make a very excellent greasy cheesesteak that's so it, it's a uh but um you know i still i still miss that queso the thin tortilla chips as as you said you know queso and about four sides of jalapenos it's a pretty good start yeah uh, a pizza steak with uh mozzarella and tomato sauce on it i mean there's nothing wrong with that that uh i i'll have to be on another confession no never had it never had it never had it i mean i can't endorse it from like a culinary <laughs> snobbery sort of uh perspective you know i can't i can't really defend it but it it is not undelicious i i, I would happily defend papaginos all right well, it's a sh- it's a short week for the news of the week, so and we've got quite a bit to talk about in the restaurants of the week. So, I'm going to wrap it up there, and we'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating. So, Matt, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk about two two restaurants and an event. Let us start with one dim sum the new Chinese restaurant that opened at the uh, in the same shopping center off of West Gray as Buffalo Wild Wings. This has been a revolving door for any number of establishments, most recently Maba Pan-Asian Diner, which, as we all know, was the 11th best restaurant in Houston when it closed in 2018. Big shoes to fill, Daddy. Big shoes to fill. What do you think? I think it fills those shoes admirably. Yeah, I'm with you. I I had an initial first visit that frankly just wasn't wasn't good. I I can't quite explain it. I we ordered some of the steamed items. I thought they tasted a little bit greasy, which doesn't which isn't like a flavor component that makes sense because they weren't fried. So I don't but there was an off flavor. 
at your encouragement, I went back uh, for a late lunch last week. I ordered shumai, high gao, barbecue pork buns, all, you know, mm. five or six standard dim sum dishes. And I have to say, I really enjoyed them. What is, what, uh, I, I think there's a, I, I haven't really spoken to the, the owners or the chef or anything, so I'm not, I'm not fully aware of how this breaks down, but there are some plating similarities, some of the dishes at Yawacha. And so I think there might be a connection uh, in the sense that maybe the chef used to work there. That's, that's been my understanding. I haven't been able to confirm that. But to get that presentation and that style at a noticeably lower price point than Yawacha charges is uh, compelling, I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly notice in a few dishes, uh, particularly the crispy shrimp chow fung and the uh, crispy beef puff. Um, yeah, and that uh, crab meat and pea shoot dumpling, I think that's uh, I think that's on the Yawacha menu too. Right, right. Um, that, uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I think I expressed it in terms of it's not going to stop me from going to these uh, other places, but to have it kind of in the neighborhood at that price point is, is pretty attractive. Yeah. I, I think the price point is worth discussing. I mean, most of the, the dumplings and such that I ordered three pieces for right in that five to $6 range. So that my, my somewhat excessive lunch for one ran about, 30, 35 bucks. But I really think that 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 could have been enough food for two with maybe another dish or two, which obviously would have cut my, my cost functionally in half. Right. So it's, it's, it's pretty affordable and there just really aren't that many options for that style of Chinese food, particularly inside the loop. Uh, you know, yum, yum cha closed uh, a few years ago and it, it was, uh, that was a bit of a loss that that one that one stung a bit because i think you're right i think i i crave that food more often than i'm probably willing to drive down to bel air to get it yes it's uh yeah it it's it's a pretty compelling or attractive option um i uh was with a another noted professional eater and uh, our lunch bill was right at forty dollars for the two of us, um, and we and and it was we didn't go full speed, but three quarter speed. Left very happy. Did you try the soup dumplings? We did. Uh, did we try the soup dumplings? We did not try the soup dumplings. I was pretty impressed with the soup dumplings. Um, not too thick, not too thin. In terms of the skins, the broth was. Hot. It wasn't maybe, I mean, I will say uh, we've been to Wanabout together when those soup dumplings were excellent. I don't think it quite got to that that level um, or certainly the one dragon level. But again, in a pinch as part of a larger overall menu, uh, very satisfying. Uh, I, am, I am rocking my brain. I may be conflating two visits. We may have tried the soup dumplings. I'm going to have to get back to you on that. I'll, I'll report back. All right. On my Did you have any other visit. favorite 
favorite dishes to recommend to the people before we move on? That crispy beef puff, uh, which was uh, recommended to me by uh, Mr. Alvin Schultz, was really delicious. And the uh, um, the barbecue pork bun was yeah, barbecue pork quite bun, uh, very satisfying. And, and even just the simple, you know, high gao shumai, all that kind of stuff. Um, that all worked for me. So yeah, it was it was. I've been several times. We've done takeout. Uh, it's it's all stood up. Been been really happy. All right, let us move on to restaurant number two. You and I got a preview of the menu at Guard and Grace, the new steakhouse that's opening this week in the Allen Center. I had Troy Guard, the chef and owner of Guard and Grace, on the podcast a couple months ago. It's a little, he promised that it would be sort of lighter and brighter than a traditional steakhouse. I mean, now I, I will say this was a, a private tasting in an empty restaurant. So, in terms of the quality of the cooking, like like getting the steak medium rare and, and all that, they nailed all that. Um, and I mean, God help them if they hadn't, because that's a that's that's a pretty low bar. Like when you're only cooking for for four people, you really ought to be able to get that right. Um, but we were pretty impressed. And so you're a you're a steakhouse guy. What about it to you stood out? Uh well, it was insanely delicious. I mean, insanely. I, I, I have not stopped thinking about that ribeye since we had it last Friday. What about it? Right. We had a Texas Wagyu ribeye from, I believe, Rosewood Ranch. What about it to you made it, quote, insanely delicious? It had a nice crust on it. It was cooked as perfectly as one could hope as perfectly as the word perfectly can describe. Yeah. I, I'm always a little bit suspect of that word because first of all, like if, if Tom Colicchio walks in and goes, that's perfectly cooked. It's like, okay, the man has multiple James Beard awards. He, he is an authority. I don't necessarily, when it comes to professional cooking, have, have that level of authority. Um, and also like, what is that? Like, if it were 30 seconds one way or the other, would it be less perfectly cooked? But they did. It was it was beautifully medium rare. It had a nice crust. It was seasoned well. And it was just a very like juicy and flavorful piece of meat. And so for all of those reasons, it was uh, very easy to devour. Yeah, quality product, well seasoned. Again, perfectly cooked. Now you're just taunting me. <laughs> It's, uh, it, it, it was, it was really good. It, it, it made an impression. It made an impression. Yeah. And I, and I kind of feel that way about, um, all of the dishes we tried. I mean, you know, he, uh, Troy does a Hamachi crudo with pop rocks on it. That's kind of a signature for him. I, I saw some, I got some, some feedback on, I put this on my Instagram story. I got some, some feedback that that, the pop rocks things a little bit dated, but it was very tasty. You know, it added a little bit of sweetness. It added a little bit of crunch, which is exactly what you would expect, but it doesn't, you know, but basically the, the hamachi was dressed with like good quality olive oil, a little bit of herb. Um, it's a flavorful fish and the pop rocks only sort of 
we're like a, a fun little counterpoint to that. Well, right. And, and I think, yeah, playful is kind of the word I, 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 you know, enjoy, um, a place that's not taking itself too seriously. Um, but that, that fish was, yeah, I very, think very, very delicious. Yeah. I, I think they're doing a redfish on the half shell poncha train style, which is pretty ballsy because that is a classic Creole dish. I mean, you talk about, you know, good company seafood. That's a signature on their menu. Obviously Brennan's comes to mind. You might find an updated version of it, a restaurant like Eunice or as a special at someplace like state of grace. So to be from Denver, which they are 51. Yeah. 1751 does a good version of that. Um, but to be from Denver and to be willing to, to say, this is, this is our version of your food. I think it's kind of ballsy and it was, it was very nicely cooked. It was very tasty. It was very tasty. Um, and not, not to, um, to, disregard the snapper but the the hamachi that was served the quality of that fish was was off the charts delicious yeah well and i i think that's a credit to the fact that the troy guard and his team have been in houston uh for almost a year now doing meeting people hosting pop-ups at various restaurants i mean i went to different events one at eunice one at armadillo palace one at camarada um they did a collaboration with Hugo. They did one with Uchi. I mean, they have they have spent the time to really get to know the market and to introduce themselves to people. And that's important when you're opening an almost 300-seat, 15,000-square-foot restaurant in the middle of downtown where you want to do uh, dinner dinner for right now, but lunch, lunch starts after Thanksgiving. You know, they want to do a bunch of private events. They're going to open a patio in the spring. I mean... They have a lot of seats to fill. Um, that's a restaurant that needs to be busy, and and that kind of groundwork, I think, really paves the way for uh, a productive relationship with the community. Well, uh, let's also mention the space is stunning. Yeah, I mean, Florida, S- Florida ceiling, Florida ceiling glass. Uh, it's like forty six hundred brass rods being suspended from the ceiling. Uh, open kitchen. It it really that is. Kitchen is, yeah. That looks like a competition kitchen on one of these big food shows. I mean, it is out beautiful. Yeah, it's a it's it's even even empty. I think the restaurant had kind of an excitement to it, and I look forward to having a, a real meal there when it's busy when we can kind of get a feel for the atmosphere. Um, not that, not that necessarily I I'm, I'm allowed to fly under the radar at a restaurant like that, but, but maybe when they can't devote their full attention to, to each dish that hits my table. Yeah. Well, they, they knocked it out of the park, um, Friday and, uh, I, uh, look forward to going back, which, uh, I believe will actually be this week. So, um, that, uh, I was, it was really impressed. Yeah. So congrats to them. Yeah. Very excited. Yep. 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 And then, uh, finally you and I were both judges at the recent, uh, Houston Austin barbecue throwdown that's put on by our friends who are the organizers of the Houston barbecue festival. 
Chris Reed and Michael Fulmer. Um, uh, let's see who who why, why am I? Oh yes, Tejas chocolates and barbecue wine, of course, with a a sausage stuffed quail. Uh, Eker Barbecue came in second with their uh, smoked short rib over sushi rice, and then uh, third place went to. I don't remember that that third place. There's no prize for third place. <laughs> um, well, let me put it to you. Did you? Uh, what did what stood out to you? Did you? Did you? We were judging blind, but obviously you found out who made all the various dishes. Were any any pleasant surprises? Any any discoveries? Any places you hadn't tried before? Um, there uh, there were a few places I hadn't tried before. Um, that uh, I I the. The big takeaway for me was I felt like uh, people were really, really upping the creative side. That, uh, um, and that it felt semi semi unanimous uh, in the judging panel for Tejas. That seemed to be the dish that really stood out. Yeah, I there were a couple of quail dishes, and I just thought the the cooking, like the doneness of the quail. Um, for the Tejas version was better than the other. And of course that a chili rainer sausage is such a home run. Um, and it complemented the flavor of the quail so nicely that it, it just, it came together really well. You know, there were a couple of dishes that we were served that like stopped like tasting like barbecue, right? Like just cause they had a smoke component, I, I think like went, went too far the other way. Um, but you know the one the one dish that um, of course JQ's Tex-Mex barbecue I really enjoyed those those birria those uh, smoked short rib birria tacos that they serve that comes to with mind with oxtail yeah and uh, and I I I was impressed by the koi barbecue smoked beef cheek and spicy ramen noodles unfortunately the the beef cheek that we got at the judges table was just a little bit undercooked and so didn't shine quite the way that that was intended to. Uh, but I've been to some of their pop-ups uh, over the past few months and uh, those guys are really onto something, I think. Yeah. They're, they were, uh, when talked to, to people um, that that was a dish that came out, came up quite a bit. Yeah. And I, Oh, and Eker won the people's choice for their right. smoked short rib over the sushi rice. So that was, you know, they do pretty traditional stuff. So it was nice to see them kind of stretch themselves a little bit. Um, yeah, that was a really nice bite. Yeah. Uh, a really nice bite. Any other thoughts on the Houston-Austin barbecue throwdown? It's, you know, it's just a well-run event. It's good to see familiar faces and there are a few new faces and, but, you know, the events just really well, well run. It's more difficult to say than you might think when you're on the radio. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a good time. Was yeah. A good time, good crowd, good time, good energy, good food. Um, so nice to catch up with a, a few people and, um, look forward to the next event. Yeah. I think, uh, Houston barbecue festival's next event will be super beef Sunday. 
they always do that with uh, Louis Miller and guests uh, the morning of the Super Bowl. And then, uh, and then we'll look forward to the Houston Barbecue Festival again in the spring. The big, the big, the big granddaddy that that started that whole the whole thing. So, all right, Matt Harris, thanks for being here. Yes, sir. And I will be right back with uh, Rasul and Arash. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating. I'm joined this week by Rasul Zarenfar and Arash Karat from Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company. Gentlemen, let me introduce you individually so people can hear your voices. Rasul, welcome to the show. How are you? Very well. Thank you for having us. Thanks for being here. Arash, welcome back. Thank you so much. Good to see, be here. I'm, I'm happy you're here. This has been... Rasul, this has been a long time coming. I mean, when did you, yeah. when did you first kind of start making the decision that the current Buffalo Bayou brewing facility was, was needed to an upgrade. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we sold our first keg in January, 2012 and we had our certain volume targets that we just eclipsed just right out of the gates. And so it was around 2014 when we were like, wow, we've, we've hit our 10 year plan. What are we going to do now? And so that's when we first really looked at that one piece of land. That's a, that's a whole spread. That's now just a field from Sawyer all the way to Henderson that we're on the back third of. That's when we first made a, an offer on that land. So that was five years ago. And it's been a long time coming in terms of a project, like looking at the land, saying, okay, well, this is what some architectural drawings would look like, hooking up with John Deal, Steve Gibson to partner with them on the real estate side of the equation, and then bring in doubt to run the hospitality side and then finding a rush late last year or, or midway through this year to, uh, to, to really knock it all out of the park. Yeah. So what was it about that Sawyer Yards area specifically that appealed to you? Cause I mean, you, you really, you could have gone anywhere. Yeah, we could have. And, and, I mean, you, you know, we really care a lot about creativity. We care about community. We call ourselves Houston's most creative brewery, and we make a lot of really crazy beer. And I've, I've always loved that area. And when, when John took over Winter Street Studios, I mean, you, you just think about what the city of Houston is doing. And, you know, Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world, right? And uh, you complain about this or complain about that. And John really took that step to bring a, an, a, an artist community to the table. And then it just burgeoned out past there. And when you're driving around and all the murals and, and what Fresh Arts and the Artistic Houston is doing now with, with all these commission murals, like Gonzo just opened up a mural on Wednesday. And it's just the creativity is just like bouncing off the walls. And to, to enter into that space and, and you think about, you know, not being an island and not being just in a, a, you know, in the, in the random part of the world, instead being in that ecosystem fueled by the creative energy and the collaboration that can happen. It's just so, so energizing, so exciting. All right, Arash, let me, let me bring you into this. You had a good, like you had a good three years at Beavers. I mean, you, you, you made a mark there. I think it, it enhanced your reputation. You kind of went from, from social media star and pop-up legend to like bona fide chef. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, got a little bit more street cred uh, for sure in the restaurant side of things instead of the pop-up elusive underground yeah. stuff that we were doing. So what was it about Buffalo Bayou that made it seem like the right next step for you? 
again, I mean, I've known those guys for years and always helping out the Blood Brothers. I was always there. So whenever the opportunity came around, I'm like, okay, yeah, these are creative guys, like-minded individuals. This is going to be badass. And it, I took the opportunity. So what was it? I, I mean, so, so talk a little bit about what you're doing. I mean, I, I had the chance to eat there last week, but, but, you know, obviously, you know, it's beer, right? It's, it's, it's food that goes well with beer. So burgers, pizza, wings, um, but you're definitely putting your own spin on it. Yeah. Uh, you got the pakora, uh, veggies again, you know, every brewery or every beer centric place you go, they have fried pickles. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to step it up a notch, throw a bunch of veggies in there, make it gluten-free, vegan-friendly, again, knowing the community. Um, but little fun twists like that. Um, that's just not the typical brew pub food, you know? Yeah. Um, but talk about kind of the pizza, too, because this is something <laughs> anyone who's anyone who's <laughs> followed you on social media knows that you've been you've been wanting to do pizza for a long time. Yeah, it's been like... Man, over three years in the works, uh, trying to perfect a pizza dough recipe uh, for home use and, you know, live fire usage and our dough, it's top notch. A 72 hour cold fermented dough, uh, super light, airy, fluffy. Uh, you can eat an entire pizza and not get full and then still crush some beers. That's, I'm so happy that it's working and, you know, talking to the customers, getting their feedback. Um, they're loving it. Can, can I tell you about what he sucker punched me with last week? Absolutely. So I'm just sitting there minding my own business on a normal Wednesday. I had a little little meeting and he shows up. I know he's been making this pepperoni from scratch. So he, you know, so Arash, what do you do? You cure the pepperoni, you smoke it. Yeah. And, and make it from scratch, which yeah. I, I don't know a lot of people who do that. And, and that was already really awesome because I love pizza, you know, and then he shows up with what, ostensibly is a, a pepperoni pizza but it's like dark brown and i'm like what what so what is this and why does it taste so good <laughs> and so why don't you explain because and then and then what's really cool about our speed is like that was a test on wednesday and it'll be on the menu by the end of the week yeah I think, yeah, yeah as a double pep but what did you put into those little circles of of uh meat sweat goodness no man <laughs> oh, so man. uh we took 44 farm brisket trim uh if you're not making sausage, usually every barbecue place just throws them away, which to me hurts my feelings. So, I mean, we're experimenting with different kind of sausages. We make the Italian sausage out of it. I did a jalapeno cheese sausage, and then I was like, you know what? Let's make an all-beef pepperoni. Um, a lot of my friends, they don't eat pork. Uh, a lot of people I know, they just, eh, if it's pork, I don't want it. So we did an all-beef, and um, came out great. First time was good. Second time is, like, phenomenal. And you cold smoked it for? Yeah, we cold smoked it for about two hours. Um, well, and then we cured it before that, cured it for two days to get the sausage casing super crispy. Um, and it came out amazing. Well, and I know that using kind of beer and beer ingredients was one of the goals for the culinary program. So mm -hmm. what are you, what are some of the specific things you're doing? Oh my God, I'm losing track of the different beers and how many applications it's in. But I mean, it goes into the oyster butter for the, it's a compound butter for the oysters, a lot of the marinades and brines, um, the beer cheese. I mean, we're just flying through all these kind of things. Um, the orange, we do a, uh, orange drizzle and that's going to go on the Cornish game hen. 
And um, that's a reduction of dreamsicle, uh, honey, orange peel. So it's like a little fun spin on an orange sauce that's going to go on this Cornish game hen dish. I, th- I think that's my favorite menu item that we haven't rolled out yet. So Arash rolled up and he did three courses for us when we were first trying to figure out uh, who, who the right guy would be. And we took over the Blood Brothers chicken and he shows up. He's like he had taken uh, a Cornish game hen and southern fried it after brining it in Dreamsicle, then did an orange chicken sour reduction from the Dreamsicle beer. I was like, what is going on here? That would have been cool (laughs) just as is. And then he takes a jalapeno cheese bread and then drops it in a waffle iron. And so at at its simplest, it's just fried chicken and waffles, but it's really like this uh, just dressed up Cornish game hen on, it's just unbelievable. And, and that was, that was what he auditioned with, or for lack of a better word, because sure. we already knew him, and he had he had the job when he walked in. But <laughs> well, but you to know, make him sweat a little bit. Well, yeah. you know, they've only got double doors over there, so I had to get his ego out, and we couldn't puff it up too big. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, Rasul, talk to me about about the facility because I mean, it. You know, Thank I think you. we. You know, you read in the press materials. You know, three story, twenty eight thousand square foot, and it's. It's hard to, it's hard to envision that. It feels absolutely gigantic to me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, we, and you know, at, I mean, at its core, it's a production facility which had to be big because of of what we're scaling out to be. So we've got these fermenters that can do, uh, I don't know, ten times what we did in our in our first year just with one fermenter or something something silly like that. But it, it, it's it's not really that big of a jump for us because our momentum is is so big in the market right now. And then uh, we've we've got three discrete floors. So when when you walk in, we wanted to have that that Nolda experience, not forget where we came from, and have the picnic tables on the concrete and dog friendly patio around and 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 just get that open air sort of feel and then second floor we have that 200 seat restaurant which is really Arash's playground and we wanted to we wanted to reimagine what you could do with food and beer because you don't see I don't think you see enough people across the country really digging into flavor theory on the beer side the way that Ryan does in the liquid and then to have a guy like Arash side by side with Ryan taking that momentum that's already there in the liquid and just saying, hey, I know you guys thought you knew what you could do with a pizza, but this is on freaking crack. I mean, I, I, I mean, <laughs> we, we ferment beer all the time. Who ferments dough, you know? And then, and then to add the, the smoked uh, home cured and smoked brisket dripping, you know, uh, you know, ends and, and all that. And that is, is just unbelievable. And then the third floor is just, you know, Nothing's cooler than just getting drunk on the roof and looking at the skyline. So that's that's what we wanted to do. You know, you have to have a patio in Houston, and and we uh, we wanted to stack them up so we could really get that view of downtown. Yeah, I mean, it is a fantastic view, yeah. and and there's there's a couple other establishments kind of in your neighborhood that that have nice patios with a good view. But I mean, I was I was up there, and it was a little bit cloudy, and the skyline was sort of. Uh, you know, cloud covered and shadowed a little bit. It's just like, I don't know, man. It just feels, it, it felt like something out of a comic book or something. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of makes you want to hang around to see if the view is going to change. Yeah. You know, what are you going to see? Are you going to, you can literally look at the entire neighborhood from that rooftop and you can find so many things to look at. It's, it's a lot of fun over there. So, so let's talk about the production side of the brewery too, because you haven't, that's not fired up yet, but 
but kind of what's your timeline and, and kind of what are your what are your goals in terms of capacity? Yeah, so we um we've been test batching all through last week and running water through the system. We're commissioning the brew house any day now. Uh, we'll be we should be fully functional as early as uh, December one, maybe maybe even sooner. That of course means we're. We've decided ahead of time we're going to throw away the first three batches on every beer that we make, no matter what. It's already in the budget, so we don't have any sort of mistakes along the way, and just throw it down the drain. That way, you know, you don't have any sort of cutting corners when it comes to quality. But last year we did about eight thousand barrels, and the whole facility is expandable to be about fifty thousand barrels over like a, a, you know, we've got a twenty-year timeline, so we're not necessarily rushing to grow that big right out of the gates. But we did learn from our mistakes on planning on the front end where we just saw uh, we, we had too small of a warehouse and we, we never got on the right side of our feeding the growth curve just from the get-go. So now we've got operational leverage, more oper- more automation, much better working conditions for my teammates. Like we've got, um, we've got this really fancy louver system that uh, we can, it's a 28,000 square foot, and this is super nerdy, but we've got a 28,000 square foot warehouse. <laughs> and of course it's two stories tall on the inside. We can, we can, with a fan system and the louvers on the side of the building, we can actually replace the entire column of air every three minutes, 20 times per hour. So a molecule comes in the top and pushes out to the end. And that's without air conditioning. That's purely mechanical, which is, you know, so much better for our carbon footprint, so much better for sustainability and all those sorts of things. So the, you know, my, my chief operating officer, my, my business partner, Alex Griggs is genetically superior to me in all different ways. And he, <laughs> he it's true. He's true. He's better looking. He, he, he ran 30 miles on his 30th birthday. Who does that? This special crazy individual. So, you know, he engineered this facility to just be top of the line, unbelievable. And, and right when you walk in, the, the, the first thing you see is a brew house and, uh, of course, a great bar. But then right to the left of it is our, um, our lab. And, you know, people don't really talk about quality control as much as they should. But we, we, we had the opportunity to design this building from the ground up. It was just a field literally 13 months ago. And that allowed us to really think very strategically what and very deliberately what exactly do we want it to be so it can be absolutely perfect we're only limited by our creativity and our planning. And he put the lab right in the center of it. We're now taking more than a thousand data points per batch of beer and leveling up our quality and our, our acumen just is just unbelievable. So really, really exciting. Yeah, I mean and and you're right. I mean, we probably don't talk enough about that, but I think anyone who buys enough craft beer or you'll open that can or that bottle that just tastes off, right? Yeah. Even from from almost any brewery eventually so it just yeah. it's something i i guess it's it's to your credit that you're so focused on it thank you yeah i would say a brand is a promise and you know for me the most beautiful sound in the world is popping the top off a can and that that sort of sound you know and it's like when i've had a bad day and this person's failed me and this thing went wrong and then traffic happened and uh, you know boss was angry and i'll just go down that list and then i just imagine my you know uh, my people sitting in their armchair about to turn on Netflix or whatever, and they reach for a cowbell because it's a cowbell type of day, you know, that nine, <laughs> 9% top. Well, you know, one of my best friends, their, their marriage might be uh, uh, still around because they get home, they're like, it was a cowbell day, and they're like, okay, honey, I get it. And so, you know, he sits down in his recliner and just pops the top. 
And that's that sound. And I tell the team, you know, this is our make or break moment. Either we're the people who have delivered on our promise and we make, and we make that blood pressure go back down or right when they were needing us, we let them down again and, and just a, a, another person in that long list. And so we, we take quality ridiculously, ridiculously seriously in that regard. Right. And there, there's one other thing I want to ask you about, which is it, there's so many, I mean, compared to 2012 when you started, there's so many more craft breweries now. I mean, the, I, I've, I've stopped trying to count them all, uh, but 50, more than 50 in Houston, I would say. Yeah, I, I could probably name like eight or nine of them. I, 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 well, I hate to sound smug or anything, but I, I, I don't pay attention because the, the way I see it is it's, it's us versus ourselves. And if we, if we make the best beer we can make and we look inward and we, and we do as well as we possibly can, it's, it's just us versus ourselves. It always is. Well, I mean, just near you, right? Yeah. You've got Holler, which yeah. is, uh, I mean, obviously smaller, more of a brew pub vibe. Yeah. Um, Urban South from New Orleans is coming uh, yeah. to your neighborhood. And then there's a, a cidery. Yeah. That's that's opening in that in that part of the city. And that doesn't even count that, you know, everything else that's in the Heights, everything else that's in Edo. Yeah. Um, what's your you know, you said you've seen extraordinary growth in the first in the beginning. Is that slowing at all? Or do you have enough like forward momentum that that you're sort of people are still discovering you? Yeah, um, people still. I, mean, I, I go out and people don't know who we are at all. And and there are these bands that are, you know, we're still, I mean, we're one-tenth the size of St. Arnold's and they're half the size of Carbach and, or a third the size of Carbach at this point. So, and, and, and then when you look at what Sweetwater is doing in Atlanta, Sweetwater in Atlanta, so I, I wrote the business plan in 2010 and back then Sweetwater in Atlanta was doing more than Carbach plus St. Arnold's plus us doubled are doing this year. So and you can't tell me that the demographic breakdown of Atlanta is more craft beer friendly and more, more culinarily driven. So I think at the end of the day, like the big guys in Azure Bush are hemorrhaging market share for very good reason. We're seeing uh, the market down kind of two to 5%. We're up uh, egregious numbers that I, I told you about. I don't know. I'd have to fact check before um, before I just right before kinda, committing to them on the record, but well, yeah, yeah, but you know, it's all <laughs> private data, but it's it's uh, it's almost triple digits. We're you know, we yeah, we uh, crushed shitty outpour, uh, crushed shitty uh, more than a year old, so it was against last year's World Series run in October. Crushed shitty outsold projections 140 percent, so our number one product was up. It, it like two and a half X over prior years. So it's just on fire and it's not even slowing down. And that's not even talking about lighten up, which is going to be coming first quarter and lighten ups outselling crush city in the tap room right now, which is just insane for me to imagine. So, All right, so what is lighten up? Oh, it's just a 4.6% Blondale. It's oh, just, just super crushable. Yeah. Super crushable. Yeah. Uh, Arash, let me, so from, from your, I mean, from, from your perspective, like, How's it going at the restaurant? Because, you know, from my perspective, I think people have been really like waiting for this moment for this brewery to open. And, and so what's the, what have the crowds been like? Uh, it's been controlled chaos, um, but it's been great. I mean, again, uh, we control it from the front end of things, make sure the guest has a great experience. Uh, super limited menu at the moment, but slowly adding things in uh, week by week. Um, just just to make people happy and i mean again they've been they just want to come into the brewery check it out have some badass food and 
enjoy their time. And I, I think we're on the right track, starting off slow and then growing gradually. Yeah, so for right now, you've got kind of pizza, wings, sandwiches, a couple of salads. Uh, how do you want to grow the menu, or, or what's what's in the plans? Um, of course, we've got the, the pop-up uh, roof deal. Oh, we're going to do barbecue tacos, all that fun stuff. That's going to be a major part of it. Um, nightly specials, uh, lunch for sure. Uh, I want to say a couple of weeks from now, we're going to release some lunch uh, spots open and all that. Um, but just have fun with it. You know, we could from from what I've seen so far, we could do whatever we want. And no one's going to be like, oh, I've never heard of that. I don't want to try that. Uh, people are very open minded in that side of town. I mean, you're selling beet salad at a brewery. I mean, that, that's got to count for something. Oh, my God. And it's selling. Oh, we had a so delicious. We ran out yesterday. Yeah, we ran out yesterday, um, which is a good thing. But I walked by a table and it's, a lady was like, it is not even one o'clock. How the heck are you out of a goat cheese uh, and beet salad? And I'm like, eh, it's a good problem. Sorry. Like, Sorry, we didn't know we'd sell that many beets. Like, yeah. this is a brewery. Like, <laughs> order a pizza. But the beets are amazing. We uh, roast them in beer, little champagne vinegar, herbs, garlic, all that fun stuff. And they're really, really good. I'm not a beet guy, but they're really good. Uh, and then, I, I mean, I remember talking to you when you first signed on with with Buff Brew and you you were going to take a break from barbecue. Um, <laughs> now you have a smoker. You're doing barbecue sandwiches. Yeah, I mean, are you surprised to be doing bar? Or, I mean, this I'm, is probably inevitable. I'm glad that I'm. I can still get my hands dirty, playing with fire. Um, I mean, the smoked elements just help the food out, and it, again, it pairs well with beer. So our smoked chicken sandwich, the chicken smoked on that. There's so many smoked elements from veggies. Um, again, the briskets for the sandwiches, and again, we've done our own sausage pepperoni. So I mean, it's. It's been paid off, I think, so far. And I think, you know, the public loves it. They just love, it's Texas. They love the smell. Like, literally, guys were on the roof, hound sniffing for barbecue, and they found it just from the smoke in the air because they, they knew it was there. <laughs> oh, like they like they, they pulled in the parking lot, and they were yeah. they could, like, they could smell the smoke. Yeah, and, they... and the guy was like, I know there's barbecue somewhere around here. There's We didn't have signage up, which we should have, but whatever, they, they found it. And it was really cool to to see that. Yeah, and uh, you know we, yeah, I I love Arash, and I think that when when you go to his pop ups, you see the the widespread of everything that he's doing. I know you know that because you keyed in on the pizzas right out of the gates. But what we when we brought Arash on, like we wanted to just kick the training wheels off, and yeah. let him spread his wings, and let the city know what crazy things are inside of his head. And, you know, we could have easily done a ground and pound strategy just saying, okay, we got a rush. Let's try and do this. But there are so many people already doing a great job with, with the barbecue here in town. And I think that there are some people who are pushing it forward, you know, better than we could. And we don't need to necessarily get in that conversation because we can't, um, can't add anything to the conversation, but for him to take that, do kind of a curveball knuckleball approach rather than just 98 mile per hour fastballs doing brisket, brisket, brisket. That's, that's what I'm most proud of when I look at my boy and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, man, I, I, I'm going to give him a platform so that he can just kind of sing whatever song he wants to sing in the language that he knows really well. And, and it doesn't have to just be a song about brisket. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and, and I think, I think that's smart, right? Because you view, if you focused on the barbecue or you made that a point of emphasis when you, you opened, well, then you're the barbecue brewery. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah. and then maybe you don't get to do 
pizzas and sandwiches and beet salad, right? But if you if you occasionally have barbecue, then it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Then it's a it's a fun little special, and and people can they can come for well, hopefully they're coming for the beer, right? Mm. Um, or they're coming to eat whatever other dishes. But oh, and there's barbecue. Like then it's like a little then it's like a bonus. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, Rasul, so tell me about kind of where you're. I mean, I, I think most people, you know, if we think about Buff Brew, obviously Crush City, 1836. Uh, I've been a great white drinker for, for a while. Um, kind of what's in the pipeline or, or like what is what does this expanded facility allow you to do that you weren't able to do before? Yeah, well, I think the number one, and this is sounds this sounds absolutely ridiculous for us to say, but we don't have to play it safe anymore on our test patches. And, you know, Mexican hot chocolate, for instance, is kind of a, a beer kind of in the directional mole, just like Feliz Navidad. We take gingerbreads out, Asian on ancho chilies, and then Mexican hot chocolate, we've caught kind of a stout base where we then have uh, cinnamon and nutmeg, and then we cut it with uh, with a cayenne pepper. So it comes in like a nine, you know, 92 mile per hour tailing fastball that's like liquid mole. It's just absolutely great, right? And that was a safe version of what we can do <laughs> now that now that we don't have to worry about canning on such a small system, you know? So uh, last year, Crush City killing it in the World Series and the playoffs, that really put a chokehold on innovation for us because, you know, I, I would like to think of ourselves, we're, we're simultaneously a conductor and a jukebox. So everyone wants to hear us play Crush City, so we've got to have Crush City all day so that people can listen to that song when they come to the brewery. But then also we've got to lead and we've got to tell people about things that they don't know that they want yet. And we've got to cut out ahead of that and, and, and charter forward uh, as we always do. And so this allows us to do that better better than ever. So. We, we haven't committed to what we're doing with an older facility, but uh, we, we do have some really cool things in, in, uh, in the works. Um, it's not public knowledge, but we did just get a distillery license over at Nolda. So uh, that's all I'll say about that. But if you just imagine what a couple of, uh, a couple of pot smoking hippies <laughs> that are fat kids with the munchies come up with when we're playing it safe, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, I, I, you know, I, I just, I don't think that any end of anyone, even me, I don't think any of us have any sense of the potential that this collaboration is going to be able to unleash. I mean, I'm just sitting Sitting there Wednesday night, just being like, I love pizza. This guy shows up. He's like, oh, yeah, I just kind of made this with a brisket I had left over. And it's the most amazing pizza I've ever had. And I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> How is this happening? And then Ryan's just sitting there right there. And he's like, I bet I could make a beer that would complement this perfectly. So, you, you know, to have, to have the, the scientists side by side. And, and the platform and the uh, technological capabilities that we now have, you know, back to the quality thing. We poached a quality guy from Anheuser-Busch. So we're seeing Anheuser-Busch buy out breweries and brain drain and steal talent from other breweries. Well, that's not what's happening with us. We're a one-way street for talent. We plucked their top quality guy and, and Dustin's killing it in our operations. So, uh, you know just playing Pokemon with incredible people and put them in a room and <laughs> get them drunk and a little bit uh, loopy and see what comes out. <laughs> um, and then do you have like barrel aging 
uh, is that is that going to be part of the program too? I, I, so I think the barrel aging conceptually is broken. Like I think there are a lot of people who are doing barrel aging in a really fun way. And when you go to other cities, they're doing it in a really cutting edge way. And I don't know that we'll be able to barrel age as well as someone like Crooked Stave does or, you know, Rare Barrel or some of these breweries around the, the, the world that I love. Or like Cascade up in Portland is one of my favorites. I mean, they're doing sours that don't have Brett. You know, they're just basically lacto-impediococcus. And these are some really avant-garde cutting edge sort of things and we do actually one of one of our employees does have a phd in microbiology so <laughs> yeah because why not yeah why i mean well? if you if you <laughs> if you can hire someone like that you probably should yeah you know so so we'll we'll see what uh we'll see what that does but uh we don't really play around halfway with anything we go full commitment so i i, I think that the next step for us is is on the barrel aging program I think the next step for us is probably uh, in, in some different directions because, I, you know, like I, like I do have, I have so much respect for Bishop's Barrel. Like Bishop's Barrel number one from, from St. Arnold's was so magnificent that I, you know, I, it, was just, it just launched the whole program. And I don't know that we can, I don't know that we can do barrel aging better than Bishop's Barrel. And so if I've got two options, one's my beer and the other is Bishop's Barrel and I'm reaching for Bishop's Barrel, then I'm not going to ask anyone to reach for my beer. So that's how I approach our product portfolio. That's how I approach all of our uh, product decisions. So, All right. And then, Arash, let me uh, – so taco, tacos are the next big thing for you, right? And that's the – it's the thing – it, it's the thing I want the most. I yeah, can't, I can't speak for anyone else. Yeah, we're gonna do uh, smoked beef birria tacos, asada tacos, shrimp tacos. What am I missing? A smoked pork taco, um, a veggie one. I'm probably missing. Are you doing the masala <laughs> cauliflower tacos again? Because those were insane. Man, yeah, that we did a pop up with that, and it sold out twice or three times in one day, and, and I was shocked. And let me explain that. It was Thursday morning, and he had to do something by Thursday night, and he's like, yeah, I can whip this up real quick. And then it's just like mind blown, like brain chunks on the walls because <laughs> skull fragments over the edge. It was just like, what the hell, man? Yeah. Where was that? And that's yeah. when you remember that he's got these – is this Mary Poppins toolkit? It's just like, oh yeah, let's pull this one out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and again, I mean, the public perception has been great. I mean, let's have fun with it. I mean, again, people they want to explore. You know, they're in that neighborhood for a reason. They're coming there for a reason. Let's have fun with them. You know. So, yeah, the tacos is next, uh, and then a few more sandwiches, a couple more appetizers. More pizzas. Um, I mean, we can just keep going and going. Eventually, brunch for sure. The brunch is going to be the the next big haul right there. Yeah, I think I think brunch is an absolute no brainer. Yeah, uh, just because of the neighborhood. Just because I, mean, I think it's yeah. Breakfast tacos on the roof, nonstop line. It was insane. We had to like shut it down at three and then smoked burgers after that to like kind of keep things going. It's nuts. Yeah, I, I'm in favor of. <laughs> I'm in favor of more smoked burgers too. I don't. I don't want to drive to Tomball. <laughs> I don't want to have to drive to Tomball for a smoked burger. Yeah, and again, we use the brisket for that. And I mean, just utilize everything we got and go full force. Well, gentlemen, I think I've I've kept you here long enough. But uh, Rasul, I'll, I'll give you the last word. Or well, then we're gonna play the lightning round. But uh, <laughs> but I but but I mean, what what's the message for people that that maybe haven't been to Buffalo Bayou yet or haven't tried your beers yet, like, what do, what do you want them to know? 
I want them to know they can come as you are. You're going to find whatever you want to find, and you, you, you're going to have whatever expectation, and then you're going to see that buffalo gate, that big, massive buffalo head. You're going to walk through it. That's the line. And wherever you, whatever you think is possible in the parking lot, you cross that line. You're in our world. We're going to redefine your thoughts on flavor and hospitality and the experience that you, you've never seen this in Houston. So, yeah, buckle up. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, as Arash knows, I like to wrap these uh, oh. interviews up with something <laughs> with something I call the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. I'm gonna I'm gonna tweak this on the fly slightly. Rasul, let me start with you. Uh, what is your favorite style of beer? Um, stouts. Yeah. Arash, Arash, how about you? IPA. Arash, who is your uh, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? I'm not a big sports guy, but I'm going to say Olajuwon. I don't know. He's a good guy. Rasul, how about you? Craig Biggio had dirt on his uniform <laughs> in the bottom of the first inning every game. <laughs> Hardest working man in baseball. Uh, Rasul, what's the first band you ever saw in concert? Everclear. Wow, that's a good one. Very nice. Uh, Arash, how about you? Snoop Dogg. That's a, that's a very good answer. <laughs> uh, Rasul, uh, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Oh, man. So, uh, Jack in the Box, uh, cookies and cream milkshake. Nice. <laughs> oh, I'm lactose intolerant. It's not okay. Rush, how about you? Still Jack in the Box. I mean, not Jack in the Box, Taco Bell. Sorry. Oh, Still yeah. Taco Bell. Um, and then, uh, Rush, let me finally, uh, when, you, uh, when you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what is your... What is your go-to pizza order? What are your what are your favorite toppings? Pepperoni. Um, if I'm feeling exotic, artichoke, uh, roasted garlic, red pepper. Um, that's one of my favorite all-time pizzas. Rasul, how about you? Always for the green sauce. So the salsa verde over at Star Pizza is my OG. And then anytime I see a basil pizza or a basil pesto pizza, always going for that. Very nice. All right, Rasul, give us the. Uh the website and the, the social media for Buffalo Bayou. Uh, yeah, so uh, website is buffbrew.com and at buffbrew for Instagram, at buffbrew for Facebook. Or, or, uh, yeah, it's all up there. And Rush, of course, you're Space City Cowboy. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Culture Map is Culture Map H-O-U. Keep it locked on the website for all the latest bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.